of what they did. They, they knew scripture inside and out. They prayed. They memorized scripture. They were up, uh, upstanding members of society. They were really, really impressive. And so Nicodemus, Nicodemus is one of these guys. He's, he's one of the top men. People come from all over to meet with him. He's a ruler. He teaches them. And here he comes. Even though he's the, 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 one of the top guys in society, one of the most political and religious guys in society, he's not just a Pharisee, but he sits on the Sanhedrin. It means he's got lots of power. He's a ruler. And yet here, there's something not right. There's an itch deep inside of his heart. There's something going on that, he, that he's wrestling with. There's, there's something that he needs that's more, even though he's completed all of this. He's the top of the top, the best of the best. He's done it all. He's got all of the exams, all the pieces of paper. And yet there's something else. There's something uneasy in his heart. And so what do we read here in chapter 3, the beginning of chapter 3? This man, verse 2, came to Jesus by night under the cover of darkness comes and he searches for Jesus. He's searching for him. He's seeking him. He's seeking something more. Now, what is it that he's seeking? Well, uh, we're not really sure, but he comes to Jesus. He's drawn to him like a magnet and a piece of metal. The two are brought together. Nicodemus comes. Maybe he thinks Jesus is about to start a new religion. Because what has Jesus done at this point? If you have your Bible, you'll see it there. He's changed the water into wine. He's done many signs throughout uh, chapter 2. People are starting to notice him. Maybe, maybe Nicodemus thinks, we've got to get onto this bandwagon really quickly. Jesus has said that he's going to tear down the temple and rebuild it in two, two, three days. We need, we need to be with this guy. He's going to do something new. He's going to do something great. Maybe he's thinking of starting a little splinter cell. Look at verse 3, the words that he uses, or verse 2. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. So not just him, there's others. We know that you're a teacher come from God. And no one can do these signs unless God is with them. Whatever his motivation, whatever's going on deep in his heart, he's attracted to Jesus because he's got a lack in his heart. And so this is getting to what we want to talk about tonight. Our hearts I want to expose each of our hearts tonight. I want to know what's going on deep down inside each of your hearts. It'd be lovely tonight if we could have a one-to-one -one session. We'd be here probably till the service tomorrow morning to try and figure that out with each of our hearts, what's going on. But I want you to work this through. What is going on in the deepest, in the deepest caves, in the de deepest places of your heart? In Nicodemus' heart, something wasn't right. He wanted something more. And so he comes to Jesus and look at what Jesus says in the first words. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What's Jesus doing in this moment? He's stopping Nicodemus dead in his tracks. See all of the pieces of paper, Nicodemus, all of the things that you've achieved in your life. I want to just put a bomb under those and detonate those. Useless. Don't rely on those. We're going to do something different. We're going to go deeper beyond that. And so Nicodemus is stunned. And this brings us to our first point. It's the necessity of the new birth. Men's hearts are exposed. Our hearts are exposed. A little PowerPoint will come up on the screen, a little image for this about our hearts being exposed. 
Jesus comes in these opening verses, and what he wants to do is he wants to go right into the, the deepest, most secret bedroom of your heart, the most private place of your heart, and expose it to do a great work there. Because whether you realize it or not this evening, if you don't have Jesus, then your heart is really sick. It's missing something that is absolutely crucial. Here's what we can do. Sometimes with Christianity, we can think that following Jesus, it's all a little bit casual, right? I know what it's like to be your age. I know what it's like to treat Jesus with, oh, a little bit in, a little bit out. I'll come along the odd time to CE. I'll come along the odd time to church. I'll fight with my mum and dad whenever they want me to get up in the morning to go to church or go in the evening. I'm sort of a little bit following Jesus, but a lot not following him. I'm sort of half in, I'm sort of half out. I haven't really decided if I'm going to be all in for him yet or if I'm going to be all out. You know, things are going quite well at Clowner or Killigamain, maybe a Portadown College, but actually you've got one eye in the world and you're thinking, yeah, see, he's okay, but really, I want to be somewhere else. And you think you can do that. Well, tonight we might think that we are good people. And that Jesus really comes to our life just to sort a few things out. It's not a big dramatic change. I can live this kind of hybrid life. One foot in the world, one foot with Jesus. I can, I, can do, I can do this. Jesus just has to come and tweak a few things in my life. He just has to come and reorganize the furniture a little bit and move and tidy things up. It's not that drastic. It's not that big of a change. And that is so wrong, right? Jesus comes to, to shatter completely who we are and to build us into something completely new. And that's not something that should strike fear in us. That's something that should bring us great joy this evening. This is how radical it is. This, this guy who's the most religious of a society, Jesus says, see all that? Let's just set that aside. Let's just put it away. Counts for nothing. Instead, what do you need? What do you really need? You need to be born again. Now, that's a strange statement, isn't it? And Nicodemus says to him, what, what, what do you mean, verse 4? What do you mean that I need to be born again? How can a man be born whenever he's old? He doesn't get it. Jesus is talking about a spiritual birth, a rebirth, and making everything new. Nicodemus, in his best efforts, still had to be born again. And do you know what I love about this? You can't be half-born, right? You can't just be like part-born, sort of half-born, half-not-born, a little bit born. Think, of, think about being the rest of you born. Do you see what I'm trying to say, right? You're either born or you're not born. You can't be half-born. You're either all in or you're all out. You're all with Jesus or you're not with Jesus. And so he uses this illustration with this man to help him see you must be born again. You've got to start over again. We've got to do a new work in you. Well, what's the problem? Look at verse 19. If you've got your Bible, verse 19. What's the problem? Well, the problem is that whenever a man hears this like Nicodemus or like us here this evening, we have a response in our hearts. As our hearts are exposed, then verse 19 comes and tells us this. That the light, Jesus says, has come into the world, that is him, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. 
And so Jesus is saying, look, Nicodemus, to come to me means you're going to come into the light. You're going to be made new and exposed for who you really are. Nowhere to hide. He's calling him and inviting him into full-hearted, all-of-life, complete discipleship, all of him following Jesus, not half following him, not giving him just a little bit, not playing about with him, but following him. And so we go back to verse 3. You must be born again. You can imagine all the things that Nicodemus would say at this point. Say, but, but, but Jesus, I know the law. Doesn't matter. But, but Jesus, I, 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 can, I can sing you all of the Psalms off by heart. That's very good. Jesus, I've sat all of my exams. I'm a good person. I serve people. I'm on five committees. I, I've given my life to this. Here's the question. When you get to heaven or to the gates of heaven and you're asked, why are you here? Why should you get in? If you start that sentence, Alistair Begg says, with I, then you've gone wrong. So what's Nicodemus relying on at this moment still? All of his works, all of the good things that he's earned, right? If you, this sentence starts with I, as you stand before God, why do you deserve to be here? If it starts with I, you've got it all wrong. And that's what Jesus is trying to help us see here this evening. Alistair Begg goes on to use that illustration. He, he, he talks about the thief on the cross. And, and he says, I'd love to meet the thief on the cross in glory. Why? Because he says, I'd love to hear how that worked out for him. He arrived at the gates of heaven. The angel said to him, why are you here? He says, I don't really know. Well, well, what do you know about the doctrine of justification? I don't know anything about it. How many Psalms do you know off by heart? I, I, don't, I don't know any. Well, what are you doing here? And he calls over the supervising angel, and the supervising angel starts to put him through some questions. Do you know about the doctrine of Scripture? Do you know about the doctrine of this, the doctrine of that? And the thief on the cross says, I don't know any of these things. And the angel looks at him and says, well, why are you here? And he points and he says, he said I could come. And the man on the middle cross said I could come here. Our heart's exposed. Friends, tonight, you cannot rely on anything else. Only on Jesus. That's what he's trying to get Nicodemus to see. Look at verse 5. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What is Jesus saying here? This is a confusion statement for us. Is he talking about baptism? Well, he's not talking about baptism in the New Testament sense yet because we haven't reached his death and resurrection and he hasn't instituted that. But he's talking about water and spirit. What is he talking about? It's shorthand for the day and age that he was in. Remember, John the Baptist had been there. John the Baptist had been baptizing people in a different sense to the one that Jesus is going to commission. But John the Baptist's baptism was one of repentance. So in other words, what Jesus is saying, you need to repent and you need to trust in me. You need to repent. You need to be born of repentance and through the Spirit, looking at me, the Holy Spirit drawing people to Jesus. And so verse 8, you'll see this happens like the wind. It's powerful. It's unpredictable. And again, he's trying to help the Pharisee to see. It's not about your background. It's not about your lineage. It's all about God. It's God who gives this gift. 
It's God who lets you be born again. It's God who extends this invitation to you. Can't you see it? And here's the problem, right? As our hearts are exposed, as people start to get in, as Christ starts to get in here, as he starts to convict you to live for him, all for him this evening, not to sit on the fence, you can sort of kick back a little bit against that. I don't really want that. That sounds like an awful lot of work. It sounds like not much fun. It attacks your identity, your value, your purpose, your very, your very meaning to everything that you do. And so for the Pharisee, what is, what is his identity? Well, it's being religious. His value, it's in all of the, the efforts that he makes for his community. His purpose is to be good and to be a good Jew. His work, it's to help and to teach others. And Jesus says, no, it's all empty. So if I was to ask you tonight, what are you living for? What is the real purpose of your life? What would you answer me? What's your purpose? What's it all about? Why are you studying for exams? Hands up if you've got exams coming up. Who's got exams? Yeah, right? Dreaded exams before Christmas. Why do you even care about those? Why are they important? Why do you want to study? What lies behind all of your heart motivations? Well, you, you do exams because you want to get good grades, because you want to go to a good school, or you want to get onto a good course. And why do you want to do that? Well, you want to earn money, don't you? And why do you want to earn money? Well, because the world says if I have lots of money, then I'm going to be happy. And why is that important? Are you going to live at the very bottom, at the very last question of your heart? Are you going to live for yourself? Or are you going to live for the glory of God? What is the purpose? Jesus gently leading Nicodemus to see his heart, to see his purpose, to see what it's all about. And so Jesus says that we've got to live radically different lives tonight. He says you've got to start right from the beginning. You've got to be born again, and then I will do a great work in you. So if you're a young man tonight, and young men, I know what it's like, right? You want to hang out in the sidelines. You want to just kind of watch Christianity from afar. You don't really want to be the one that's uncool at school. So you want to mingle with the world. You want to mingle a little bit with Christianity. Uh, and you kind of go to church because your mum tells you you have to go to church, and that's nice, right? And you just go along to keep your mum happy or your dad or someone else in your life. Why? Why do you follow Jesus? Own it for yourselves. Have you been born again? Do you know him as Lord and Savior? Is he really who he says he is? As you encounter him, does he change your life? And girls, what about you? What does Jesus mean to you tonight? Is he just some nice decoration on the side of your life? A nice wee thing that you can put up on Instagram? A nice person to have a, a little verse about? Or does he actually mean something to you? Has he transformed your heart? Has he taken you? And have you been born again? To understand who he is. There's great agony in this passage, right? As Nicodemus is wrestling with Jesus, I, I want you, Jesus, but I just can't understand it yet. And Jesus is trying to expose his heart to lead him into salvation. And so our time's nearly gone. Our hearts have been exposed. But here's the key tonight. As our hearts are exposed, what do we need to see? We need to see the exposed heart of Jesus. Because as he ex has exposed our hearts, we've got to see his heart so that he can woo us to himself, right? 
I, I used to play rugby at Queen's University, and you'd train most of the week, and on Thursday night would be our last training session before the match. And we'd be out on the pitch, we'd do our warm-up, and then you'd be brought into the team huddle, and the coach would name his team. And that was the moment that you'd been training for all week. And he would go down the list. Capper, Carson, Winter, no Graham. And you'd be devastated. Didn't even make the bench this week. What's going on? And, and your heart would be in absolute turmoil. You'd be simultaneously raging and disappointed. And the worst coach, the worst type of coach leaves you in that moment and doesn't explain himself. But the best type of coach puts his arm around you, says, can I have a word with you and explain what you could do better, what could change in your life, what did you need to do on the pitch? And so in this moment, Jesus has exposed Nicodemus's heart and he's not just going to leave him in a vacuum. He's going to say, look, look at my very heart. So look at verse 14. John 3, verse 14. And so as Moses lifted up the servant, serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. See, Jesus starts to explain if we're rebels, if we've been affected by the poison, the, 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 the curse of, the, of sin, and we're dying, what do we need to do? He says, we've got to look to him. He says to Nicodemus, look to me. Just as the, the, the serpent was lift, lifted up in the Old Testament, so I will be lifted up. Look away from the things that are killing you towards me. Move in your sin. Lift your eyes towards me. And he starts to explain it a little bit further. These famous verses that we know, 3 verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. And so, friends, tonight, these are the most beautiful verses in Scripture. And do you know what the problem is? They just roll off us because they're on like every tree and telephone box and poster around Northern Ireland. We're so familiar with these words, but see what they're doing. They're letting us in on the very heart of God, the very heart of Jesus. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. What good news, right? What amazing news. And so Jesus brings us to Nicodemus. And the whole point is that Nicodemus should be absolutely stunned. Should be halted in his tracks. What astonishing love. What a rescue mission. As he starts to put these pieces into place. As he starts to look in the eyes of Jesus. And realize that this is God's only son. Sent here to rescue him. It starts to make sense to him. And so what happens with Nicodemus? How does this story end? It doesn't just end here at the end of this passage. What will happen? Well, Nicodemus, later in the Gospel of John, will be the man who is at the crucifixion, who does look at Jesus to save him from his sin, and who takes his body down off the cross. What a change. Not living for the things of the world, for pieces of paper, for all of the religion. 
but a devoted follower of Jesus. And friends, that's what I want for you tonight. That's what Gilly and the CE team want for you here tonight. That's why you're in this place. Not so that you can play at Christianity. Not so that you can be half in, half out. Not so that we can just keep you warm for a few hours on a Saturday night. But that you will be transformed as you meet the living, the one true and living God. And as you see him for yourself. And as you see him, him exposing your heart. And then you see his heart for you. And then he draws us to himself. What a savior. And he says it's for whoever, whoever will come. So as we close, you need to know that it's not just for the religious, this message. Everyone needs to be born again. Sinner and saints, they all have the same problem, and it's sin. And so he will go on to say to the woman at the well, you need to be also born again. You need to drink of the living water. And so he will say to this religious man. And here's the problem. Our churches, our youth groups, our families are full of people just like Nicodemus who are going through the motions, who look good on the outside, but who have never encountered Jesus for themselves in this way. They've never been born again. And so I invite you this evening, each of you, to come to him afresh and be born again. And that's not something that should scare you this evening. It should be the start of an amazing, exciting journey. And you know what? All of your leaders here at CE, they're going to journey right there with you. They'll not leave you. It's not a lonely road. They'll help you all the way along. And so no matter what you've got going on tonight, if you're struggling with sexual issues, if you've walked away from your faith, maybe you've never come to know Jesus. Maybe you're the best behaved person in the room. You're destined to be head boy, head girl, prefect, whatever it is. We all need to be born again. So will you come? Or will you lurk in the darkness of this passage? The ones that Jesus says, the people who hang out on the, the sidelines in the darkness won't come to the light. Or will you come to him? He loves you so much. He comes here not to condemn you, but to save you. Please, please accept him as your Lord and Savior. You will not regret it. And I trust that tonight, if you don't know him, tonight will be the night that you trust in him, that you'll have encountered him, and that he will have changed your life forever. Friends, don't put it off. Don't delay. Come to him tonight as you see him in all of his beauty. If you want to talk to me, you want to talk to some of your leaders, do that. I'll be here for a while. If you have more questions, there's so much in this passage. Only, scr only scratch the surface. But he is beautiful and wonderful and he calls you tonight. Let me pray and then I'll hand over again to the group. Father in heaven, we thank you for the, the humility that we see in Nicodemus. As he's drawn to Jesus, uh, drawn to your only son, he doesn't have all the pieces in place, but he knows, he knows in his deepest heart that there's something not right, and he's drawn to him. And so, Father, tonight, as we gather here, 
We know that there's so much going on in each of our hearts. Father, there's some here tonight who don't know you. There's some here who are hanging out in the sidelines, half in, half out. We pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would take each of us, that we would be your disciples, that we would follow you tonight and forevermore, and then that we would take this news and that we would share it with other people. Your Son loves us so much that he came here to rescue us, not to condemn us, but to save us. How we need saving tonight. Father, help us to understand these deep truths. Write them on our hearts. Change us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.